Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to go to John chapter 6 today. And while you're finding your place there in John chapter 6, and it's going to be a few minutes before we get to that passage, so I want you just to mark it, just hold it there till we get there. I want to say thank you to the 75 to 80 volunteers that showed up yesterday for our back to school bash. What a blessing you were to our community yesterday. Faith, stand up. I know you don't like me to point you out because I know you have a team that helps you, but you are our leader on these events. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your hard work. It's a little bit different event this year because of the pandemic that we're in right now, but we still yesterday, Raising Arrows partnered with us and fed 500 meals yesterday, gave 500 meals out yesterday. I thought that was awesome. And then we gave, up, gave away 300 plus or so backpacks yesterday to folks that drove through. It, it was just a real, real blessing to people in our community. And thank you, Summit and Church of God, for your faithfulness and uh, your cheerfulness when it comes to giving. Amen. And be reminded that when you leave today and those that are watching us by live stream or maybe watch it later, there's a number of different ways that you can give. Those of you here today can give on your way out, uh, but you can also give online. You can text to give. Um, you can, there's a number of ways, so, so no excuse uh, for not continuing to give. And you've been so faithful, so, so consistent, and so generous, and thank you so much for that. We're going to continue this morning in this series that I started last week called Power in the Blood. And uh, this morning, I just uh, have chosen for my title, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. Oh, the Blood of Jesus. There's some things that we need to be reminded of in this season that we're in today about the blood of Jesus. Last week we talked about the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. And really, for some of you today, what I'm going to share with you is not new information, but it's a reminder that there is still power in the blood of Jesus. For others of you today, there will be some revelation that will go forth, maybe something that you're hearing for the very first time to help you understand that there is still power in the blood of Jesus. When I think about the blood of Jesus, I have discovered that the blood of Jesus is sacred blood. And by that I mean that the blood of Jesus is God's blood. There's a passage of scripture that proves that in Acts chapter 20 verse 28. It says, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God Look at this, which he purchased with his own blood. The blood of Jesus is God's blood. It is sacred blood. That's the reason that Jesus had to be born of a virgin. He got his body from a woman, but he got his blood from God. Amen. His father is God. His father is the Holy Spirit. So his blood is sacred blood. But that sacred blood became shed 
blood. Notice I said shed blood, not spilled blood. When you spill something, it's accidental. But Jesus didn't spill his blood, he shed his blood. It was intentional. It had purpose to it. Look at the scripture here in Hebrews 9 and 22. It says that the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. You and I would stand no chance have no hope whatsoever this morning of our sins being forgiven if it had not been for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And may I tell you that what happened at Calvary was not an accident. As I said, his blood wasn't spilled, his blood was shed. It was not a last minute plan to redeem you and me from our sins and from our bondages and from our sicknesses. No, the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. It was God's plan all along that Jesus would shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. So the sacred blood became shed blood, which then became saving blood. Hallelujah. And we talked about that last week, the power of the blood of Jesus to redeem us. We have not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot and a lamb without without blemish. It was sacred blood that became shed blood that became saving blood which became shared blood. And this is where I want to camp out for a few minutes this morning to talk to you about the shared blood of Jesus Christ. Because what you and I need to know today is that what human blood does to our bodies, the blood of Jesus does to our spirit and does to our soul. Everything that you need to be who God's called you to be and to do what God has called you to do has been provided for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't do us one bit of good this morning for him to have provided everything that we need if we refuse to appropriate what he's done in our lives. And so where we want to start this morning talking about the shared blood of Jesus is with this thought. And that is we must appropriate the constant provision of the blood of Jesus. Now, when you think about the provision of the blood of Jesus, the primary provision through the blood is life. Let's look at this passage of Scripture here in Exodus chapter 12. This is when God is bringing the nation of Israel out of Egypt. You remember he has already used several plagues to try and accomplish the hardening of the heart of Pharaoh. And the last plague would be the plague of the firstborn or the death of the firstborn. And God speaks to Moses and he says that if my people want to escape the judgment that's going to come through this land, the judgment of death, then they must be under the blood. Listen to how he said it here. And he said, not just any blood, but it had to be the blood of a lamb that was less than a year old. It had to be a lamb that was without spot and without blemish. And not only that, get this, you may not have known this, but you had to take that lamb into your house four 
days before you were to slay that lamb. And don't you know that within four days, that that lamb's going to become like a pet to those kids in the house and maybe like a pet to the family in the house because I, I, think, God, I think God wanted you and us to have some kind of an idea of just what he had to do when he gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. You see, when it come time for that lamb to be slain, those kids probably would have said, no, daddy, don't kill the lamb. That lamb is our friend. That lamb is our pet. We love that lamb. We have a relationship. And it wasn't easy for them to part with the lamb. And listen, I think sometimes we just think that God sending his son Jesus as the perfect lamb without spot and without blemish, who would shed his blood for your redemption and mine, that it was an easy thing for God. It was not an easy thing for God. God gave us the most precious thing that he had to give. And he said, you got to take that lamb that's less than a year old without spot and without blemish. And he said, you drain the blood from that lamb and you take a bunch of hyssop and you dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top of both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. He's saying, stay under the blood. How many of you know today we need to stay under the blood of Jesus? And then he goes on and he says, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, their firstborn, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. As long as they were under the blood, they would be able to escape the judgment of death. And may I tell you this morning that if you are under the blood of Jesus, you will escape the judgment of death. Because listen to what Paul said in Romans 5. He said, but God showed his great mercy for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. You see, through the blood, you and I have life. Through the blood, you and I will escape the judgment of death. Romans 6 and 23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Ezekiel said it like this he said the soul that sinneth it shall die you and I deserved death and the only way that we will escape death is when we are covered by the blood of Jesus now I'm going to just tell you this morning I'm here to have church today if I have to have church all by myself I'll have church all by myself. If I've got to preach all by myself today, I'll preach all by myself. I didn't come here to waste my time this morning. We're talking about the power in the blood of Jesus. That's something we ought to get excited about today. Oh, pastor, don't act like that. I brought a friend today. Too bad, wrong Sunday. I got to preach on me this morning. I want you to look at what the Bible tells us in Leviticus 17. I get excited talking about the blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, For the life of a creature 
is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Notice, the life of a creature is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 14. He said, that's why I've said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is in its blood. You do know the blood that courses through your veins is what keeps you alive. In your blood are blood cells. Some of those blood cells are called red blood cells. And those red blood cells serve two purposes, primarily. We'll talk about one of them now. We'll talk about the other one in the next point. But one of the things that red blood cells do is red blood cells provide life to the body. Because there is a protein within red blood cells called hemoglobin. And here's what hemoglobin does. Hemoglobin carries oxygen to your body so that your body can breathe. So that, and, and Randy, you'll have to correct me after church today if I'm wrong about this. Because I'm going to preach it the way it preaches good. Most of this is way above my pay grade. But I know that within the blood, those red blood cells is a protein called hemoglobin that brings oxygen into the body, life into the body, so that you can breathe, so that you can live. Because look, the life of every creature is in its blood. Notice what Jesus said now in John 6. I told you we would get to this passage sooner or later. But in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 53, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. Now let me just stop right there because some of you are being like, what? Where are you going with this, Pastor? you got to understand, Jesus is not speaking literally here. Jesus is speaking spiritually here. And a lot of those that were hearing Jesus when he said this for the first time, they thought he was speaking literally. And all through the Old Testament, they've been commanded, you don't eat blood. You, 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 you just don't eat blood. You don't eat the flesh of human beings. And now here Jesus is saying to them that I tell you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Again, he's not speaking literally here. And some of them that thought he was, you know what they did? They decided, I ain't following him no more. He's crazy. He's talking about this cannibalism stuff, eating flesh and, and drinking blood. But what Jesus was saying is this, is that when you receive me, when you take me in, what blood does for your body, my spirit, my, my blood does for your spirit, and my blood does for your soul. My presence does for your spirit, and my presence does for your soul. And he said, but if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, no spiritual life in you. Let me just stop right there for a moment and say that if you go to a doctor and they find something wrong with your red blood cells, they usually tell you that you're anemic, that you're weak. Can I say that in the body of Christ, we got too many anemic Christians? Mm, I told you I was going to go there today. I told you I was going to preach 
We've got too many anemic Christians. We've got too many weak Christians. Why? Because you're not appropriating the provision that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is life through the blood of Jesus. And when you appropriate that life into your life, you're not spiritually anemic anymore. You're spiritually strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Mm, Yes. Then he goes on to verse 54 and says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Why? Because the life of every creature is in the blood. And he said, I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father so the one who feeds on me look at this will live because of me there's only one reason you're sitting here today alive spiritually alive alive in your mind your will and your emotions it's because the blood of Jesus Christ is coursing flowing through your veins today as a child of God you know every other system of the body is mobile. The nervous system is mobile. The, 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 the muscular system is, is mobile. The skeletal system is mobile, but not the blood. The blood is fluid. The blood flows. The blood moves. Oh, hallelujah. The blood brings life. And you and I need to begin to appropriate the life that Jesus paid for with his blood. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said... I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Is there anybody in this room here today alive in Jesus? Why don't you give him some praise and thank him for his blood? Hallelujah. Here's a second thought. And that second thought about the shared blood of Jesus is not only do we have to appropriate the provision of the blood, but we must rely on the cleansing properties of the blood. Going back to those red blood cells, not only do they provide life, not only do they provide oxygen to the body, but they also purify the body, removing toxins from the body, taking carbon dioxide, moving it into the lungs where that carbon dioxide can be exhaled, breathed out of our bodies. It's our red blood cells that have the ability and have the power to do that. And you have a number of red blood cells into the millions, maybe even to the billions of red blood cells that you have in your body, but they don't last very long. And so there has to be a continual creating and resupply. I'm telling you, now, when you begin to look at these kind of things, you understand why the psalmist in Psalm 139 said, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. But one of the other purposes of the blood is to cleanse, is, is to purify. L- listen to what the scripture says in 1 John 1 and 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood 
of Jesus Christ, his son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. Notice, it didn't say cleansed us, past tense. It says cleanses us. Can I tell you that the blood of Jesus still has the power to cleanse you and me of our sin? I don't see anybody in this room here today who's perfect. I don't see anybody in this room here today who doesn't still make mistakes, fail, sin. You and I need to continually rely, constantly rely on the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. As I said last week from the old hymn, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. Think about this for just a moment. If you were to take one of those cuffs that they put on you when they check your blood pressure, and you, you know what it feels like when they start pumping that little bulb and that, that, that cuff on your arm gets tighter and tighter and tighter until finally it's so tight that it has restricted the flow of blood through your arm. Now, if they were to put that cuff on there and, and get it tight to where it restricts the blood, what's going to happen is it's going to, it's going to begin to affect that arm. Now, at first... You can, you can pump a fist and maybe not feel anything. But the more you do it, the weaker that arm's going to get. Till you not be able to pick up a hammer and hammer a nail. Or a pair of scissors and cut a piece of paper. Because eventually, if you leave it there long enough, atrophy will begin to, will begin to set in. Because of toxins that are setting up in those areas of your body where the blood is not flowing. But the moment that you take the cuff off and the blood rushes and removes those toxins, then there's life back to that member of your body again because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of sin because you see, sin is a toxin and it's a toxin that is painful. It is a toxin that brings hardship. It is, a, it is a toxin that brings the, the discouragement and depression and distress into people's lives. Oh, but when the blood of Jesus courses through your veins, it cleanses you of the toxins of sin. And not just of the toxins of sin, but of the effects that came along with that sin. Because listen to what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever under the old system in the old testament the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity just think how much more the blood of christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living god what does that mean it means that when you and i come to god and we put our faith and trust in jesus 
Jesus Christ, we still have a conscience that tries to condemn us because of the shame of sin, because of the guilt of sin. But when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, he cleanses your conscience of that shame and he cleanses your conscience of that guilt so that you don't have that shame and that guilt anymore. I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus can redeem you from your past, can cleanse you of your past and not just cleanse you of your past, but all of those emotions that come along, all of those emotions of shame and guilt that come along with the sin of your past, they are cleansed by the blood of Jesus so that now you can worship the living God without any condemnation. And you can worship the living God without any shame and without, oh, somebody ought to be getting happy with me in this house today. Come on and give God some praise. Constantly, constantly relying on the cleansing power of the blood. And then there's a third thought about the shared blood of Jesus. And that is we've got to claim the conquering power, the protecting power of the blood. Because you see, in your body, in your blood, you don't just have red blood cells, you also have white blood cells called leukocytes. And let me tell you what these white blood cells are. These white blood cells, and there's five different kinds, as far as I know, five different kinds of these white blood cells. And do you know what these blood cells, these white blood cells are to you? They are protectors. They're protectors. They're like warriors. Because what these white blood cells do is when a pathogen, which is something like a, a virus, bacteria, fungi, and again, a lot of this is way above my pay grade. But when a pathogen gets into your bloodstream, your white blood cells because of, a, of an antigen that's attached to that pathogen that signals to these white blood cells, there's an intruder in your body. There's an enemy. There's an adversary. There's a virus. There's a bacteria that's trying to afflict your body with a sickness or with a disease. And so what these white blood cells do is they form an army. They all come together to fight against that intruder to fight against that enemy, to fight against the adversary. And even though we only have about 25, I think billion, it might be million, but I think about 25 billion white blood cells, when your body is under attack, they have the ability to multi multiply 10 times. That's why when you go to the doctor and your white blood cell count is high, they know that your body is fighting an infection somewhere. <laughs> Some of you already know where I'm going with this. But you got these white blood cells, and one of the white blood cells is called a lymphocyte. And it's, it's the white blood cell that produces an antibody to fight against that virus, that intruder, that enemy. And again, Randy, you can straighten me out later. I should have had him come up here and preach this portion of the message. But these antibodies begin to develop in order to fight that virus, 
fight that bacteria, that pathogen that has got into the bloodstream. Now, sometimes, like with coronavirus, and, and listen to me, man's greatest enemy is not war. And man's greatest enemy is not wild beast. Man's greatest enemy is viruses and bacteria. That is man's greatest enemy. And, and, and sometimes there will be a virus that will come into the body that there's not an antibody that will recognize it. Because you see, it's not one antibody that fights all disease. You've got an antibody for measles. You have an antibody for mumps. You have an antibody for chicken pox. And that's why if you've had that virus, you can't get that virus again. Because a lymphocyte has a memory. That white blood cell has a memory. And it remembers that virus when it comes back the next time. It remembers that pathogen when it comes back the next time. And when, when, it, when it sees that intruder, when it sees that enemy, that adversary, he looks at it. And I'm just preaching it, okay? Not that these things can talk. But he looks at it and says, I know you. I've seen you before. I know your file. I know your rank. I know your serial number. And I've defeated you once. And I know what it takes to defeat you again. So don't bring your junk in here. Because we ain't going to have none of that in here. And, and sometimes when a virus that there's not an antibody in your, in your, in your blood to, to fight against, what they'll do is they'll take antibodies from someone else who had the disease. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not misleading you. But they'll take antibodies from somebody who had the disease, survived the disease, and even though that antibody is weakened, and even though that antibody is dead, they can transfuse it into a, another person's body that's still fighting the virus. And those antibodies taken from someone else's body and put into your body now recognize that virus and that disease. Now let me tell you what they call that kind of blood. They call that kind of blood wise blood. I've seen you. I know you. You are not welcome here. And they have the power and the ability to keep those viruses and diseases at bay. You say, Pastor, why are you telling me all of that? To tell you this, the blood of Jesus is wise blood. <laughs> There's nothing you will ever face in life that Jesus has all, not already been there. And Jesus has already done that. The Bible says he was tempted in every way just like you and me, but never sinned, never gave in to sin. But not only did he face sin and overcome it, he faced sickness and he overcome it. He faced death and he overcome it. His blood is wise. And listen, when the blood of Jesus is coursing through your veins, when you have applied the blood of Jesus every time an intruder tries to come in, every time an enemy tries to come in, every time 
time the adversary tries to come in, the blood of Jesus rises up and says, I know you. I've seen you before. I've dealt with you before. And you are not welcome here. Oh, somebody ought to get up on your feet and thank God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he said in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have some trouble. But take heart. I've got wise blood. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That's why the scripture says in Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I'm telling you, church, it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It's what gives me strength from day to day. And the blood of Jesus will never, 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 never lose. It's power. Come on and give God a resounding shout of praise. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself so why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.